Scott with SJ, Wildfire.com. Hey, I'm pleased to announce Pastor Larry. We've talked a little bit about Pastor Larry and his Bible study. He's been studying Ephesians 6 for the last three to four years. He's been diving deep into spiritual warfare. And what was interesting is during his study over the last three, four years, he actually had a demonic encounter that he had to rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is a man's man. Pastor Larry fought two years in Vietnam uh, with the Marines, saw a bunch of action. Then he became a pastor from there later in life. He ended up becoming a school teacher, very hardworking man, owned his own paint company, uh, multiple blue collar, white collar jobs. The man has life experiences. He's a cool dude, man's man, fun to be around, and he loves the Lord. Good day, listeners. I thank you again for listening to me. Um, as I bring you the subject of spiritual warfare. I know that you could probably be listening to hundreds of other people that probably are a little bit better speaker than I am or know the scriptures better than I do. I'm sure that there are those who are more polished and more dedicated to their podcasts. I am dedicated to my podcast, but... I don't look at myself on how far as some of the greats, you know, that uh, communicated the Word of God over their lives. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your listening, and hopefully that we can learn together, and that we would take these truths in our spiritual warfare battle that we are engaged in, that we take it to heart. I have been talking mainly thus far about the sword of the Spirit, which is part of our armor that's found in Ephesians 6. It is the foundational aspect of our, our foundational piece of armor that we have in our battle against the spiritual world. And God has given his word to us in order to enable us to know him and to know him and to love him is, again, foundational for our battle. God wants to communicate with us. What better way than to send a man to talk to man? in order to talk about God. God is spirit, we are flesh. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the body of human flesh in his virgin birth, the little city of Bethlehem, so that he could communicate to man about the things of God. That's exactly what Jesus said, and that's what he taught. He only speaks what the Father says to him. Jesus says, has said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So, Jesus is the representation. He is the Son of God. He tells us about the Father. How loving and compassionate he is, how holy and how just he is. So, we come up to the passage that we've been talking about. And the passage was... <laughs> 
pick up the sword of the spirit which is the word of god i think that's found in 17th verse of chapter 6. and continuing in that thought The scriptures tell us in verse 10 of chapter 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And we talked last week about what Paul meant by finally and about the connection it makes to the, the rest of the book. Because the spiritual armor does not stand by itself or stand in a vacuum. There's a very direct connection between what Paul begins to say here and what he has just been saying. There's a direct and immediate connection making that point right to the end when he comes to this statement and it's a further outworking of the great theme of Ephesians. So Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 talks about our position in Christ. Uh, Paul letting the Ephesians know who they are and what they are in Christ and how God had planned it all for our benefit. And that God has enabled us to walk with him in abundance through this sinful and wicked world that we can be victorious over this spiritual realm, this wicked spiritual realm. Like I said before, there are prerequisites to putting on the armor of God that we read here in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. We talk about how Paul prayed in chapter 1 for the Ephesians, and this is my prayer for all of us, which says in verse 15, if you're following along in chapter 1, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, in love unto all the saints. He says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We realize that we can know the God of glory he has made that possible. God wants us to walk with him. He wants us to know him. And as Paul goes on further, in verse 18, he says, If the eyes of your heart, the King James says understanding, but it's the Greek word cardia, which we get the word heart from. He says that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. How many of us want to be enlightened? I sure do. I want to be enlightened to what the truth is, to what God has for me, to get to know that God, how he's going to protect me. The world sure doesn't give us any enlightenment. It's hard to tell truth from error anymore. And then you have the advent of AI, and boy, that's just going to complicate things all the more. So... We need to stick close to the scriptures. We need to stick close to Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on to say, you know, what is the hope of your calling? And what the riches of God's glory of the inheritance of the saints? 
See, that word he wants us to know. He's not, God is not a God of secrets. Of course, we'll never understand everything about God. I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to be constantly learning about God. And that's a wonderful thing that we'll increase in knowledge more and more. Wow, but think about this. That we can know the Father of glory. We can know what we're called to. We can know God's will for our life. So many other passages that we just don't have time to go into. But we can know the will of God. And there's certain, certain prerequisites for knowing the will of God. That's why the book of Ephesians is here. It talks about our walk and our obedience. And we're going to talk about those things. But you can know God has made it available to us to know why we're called and receive that inheritance. We're going to talk about that inheritance a little bit. And it even gets better. Let us continue in Paul's prayer in verse 19. In verse 19, Paul says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word, who believe? Now listen to that. What is this power of Christ which he has shared with us? His resurrection power is like, and it says in verse 21, that this power of Jesus Christ is far above all principality, rule and authority, power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. That is available to the believer in Jesus Christ. For those who believe, you know, there's not really any excuse why we cannot be overcomers in this world and against the powers of Satan. We can do it because God has enabled us to do it. He's given us that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. God wants us to know him. And that's the connection that is found in the word finally in Ephesians 6.10. We finally come to what all that Paul has written about God's glory and his plan. Then he tells us to suit up, put on your armor, because now you become a target. Satan is going to attack us. Really, the unsaved, the unbeliever is not a target. He's already, Satan's already has him as his slave, whether they realize that or not. And now, since you're going to make your stand for Christ, you're going to become the target of Satan. And you need the power of Jesus Christ to be successful over dominion in every name that is named, in every principality, in every rule and every authority. So Satan's going to attack us. You can count on it. And I believe that the more you live for Christ, the more you give your life to him, the bigger target you become. Don't let that discourage you. Don't let that discourage us. Because that's the place of blessing. 
It is a place of blessing to be 100% sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in a war whether we like it or not. Our enemy hates God and he knows that he can't attack God, but he sure can attack his sons and daughters. And like I said before, we're going to take quite a few messages about Satan and his tactics and his strategies. That's farther down the line. But by necessity, we must look and take into our heart some of the great doctrinal teachings found here in the book. It'll bless your heart if you apply them to your heart. And it all has to do with preparing it, us for the spiritual warfare. If Satan and the minions attack every believer, it is imperative that all Christians know what their standing or position is in Jesus Christ. To know one's standing is to know one's resources. You want to be available for that power, you must know your resources. Because this is what Paul stated in Ephesians 6. In his spiritual armor passages. In verse 11, if you're not turned to uh, Ephesians 6, please turn there. If not, just listen intently. Verse 11, it says, Put on the full armor of God. And I mentioned earlier that full is not partial. You can't say, well, I'm good with the belt of truth, but the rest of it I'm pretty weak in. I haven't put it on yet. No, you got to put it all on at one time. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against. I'm going to get back to this word stand. So that you can stand against, and here's who we're battled with, the devil's schemes or his tactics or his wiles. And he says again in verse 13, Therefore put on the full armor of God. Anytime the Bible repeats itself in the, in, in the few verses in its context, is asking us to pay attention. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and believe me, friends, the day of evil will come. And it's talking about a particular day. The day of evil comes, and that's why we have to be prepared. That's why that armor has to be on all the time. You don't take it off. You just leave it on. The day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. See the mistake that a lot of believers make? Is that they wait to get into the Word of God. And they wait to... Uh, they're not living for Christ most of their life, or very sporadically. And then a bad, evil day comes. And what are they doing? They're scrambling. They're faith falters. They're scrambling for the Word of God to get some kind of consolation or some kind of a help and they're frustrated and they're restless it's because they didn't make preparations see you must be in the word of God every day you must be learning about these great things about God the Father and about Jesus Christ and about the Holy Spirit in order to stand to stand your ground you cannot wait for that evil day to come and then try to put on the armor. Preparation is of essence, is the key. 
we find this word stand three times, put on the full armor of God, verse 11, that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 13, stand your ground. Verse 14, stand firm then. I'm saying that in order to stand against the devil's schemes, you must know your standing before God, who you are in Jesus Christ. And the one who, you must know the one who gave you this standing position, Almighty God. I think back, uh, David, for example, in the life of King David, these things are written for our examples. They're in the Old Testament scripture, and David, a man after God's own heart. It took a while for David, and he's a lot like us. I remember David when Saul it was not long after that uh, David slew Goliath and Saul was jealous and he wanted to he set out to kill David because of his jealousy remember that David and jealous in 1 Samuel 18 and 19 David was living with Saul's daughter or his wife at that time Michael and Saul surrounded the house and was going to kill David and David snuck out the window with Michael's advice, and David lived a life of running. Running for Saul, and he wasn't taking a stand. Now, he, he must have forgotten that he took a stand against Goliath, didn't he? But we see David running. Running from Saul, and why he's running, he's out of fellowship with the Lord. He's trying to accomplish things on his own. He even picked up Goliath's sword in the temple of a little town called Nob. He picked up that sword in his own flesh. And he went and he hid in a cave. Uh, but before that, David went to Gath. That's where Goliath was born. And they recognized him. David faked himself as an insane man. And I'm asking all the time, why didn't he trust the Lord like he did against Goliath? Because David was out of fellowship with the Lord. And we'll do, we do the, exactly the same thing. We do stupid things if we're not in fellowship with the Lord. We don't really take a stand. And then we read that David fled to the cave of Adullam. And I said, within that cave that David, all of a sudden, David gets his heart right. David comes back to the Lord. Now David, after that time, is going to make a stand, and then he goes on to war against Saul. And that's a perfect picture. That we, If we are out of fellowship with the Lord, you know what we do? We run. We run, we hide, we try to do things on our own. We don't take this stand that Paul's talking about against our enemy. And we know our enemy is not the flesh and blood, but our enemy is the principalities and powers and the devil's schemes in this world. So the spiritual world is our enemy. Satan is our enemy. We have to stand. David is a perfect picture of running and not taking a stand. We'll continue with this next week. Thanks for listening. God bless.